Star Trek Picard, Absolute Candor, was a really good episode. I really liked it. Especially the space elf thing, which I didn't think that I was going to like, but I really did. I, I like Elnor. He's an interesting character, and I can't wait to see where he goes. And I really thought of all the characters, he was going to be the one that I had the most problem with. And he's not. He's not at all. But I also have a theory about who Chris Rios really is. And I can't get into that without getting into spoilers. But hold on for that, because we're definitely going to talk about it. And yeah, it was really good. So let's talk about Star Trek Picard, Absolute Candor, on today's episode of Project Shadow. Hello everyone, how are you doing today? My name's Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy, and I guess I have to say romance. Writer, C.E. Dorset. Hi. Yeah, Friday's episode was kind of a thing, and if you haven't listened to it, please do, because it really will give you a glimpse into the dark and twisted mind that you're listening to. But hey, today we're here to talk about Star Trek, because I love Star Trek, and for anybody who's concerned that I said that I'm going to be doing romance stuff... I am still world building the space opera thing that is still in the works. It's just, it's going to take some time to get ready to write. So yeah, doing a lot of different projects all at once because, you know, why should life be simple? But before we get into this episode, if you haven't already, please do take a moment to rate this podcast on whatever app you're listening to me on. It does help out a lot. It tells the algorithm to share the podcast with more people. The more people that listen, the bigger the community, the bigger the community, the better the chance we have of communicating with each other. And after all, that's why I do this podcast in the first place. Alrighty, so absolute candor. This may be my favorite episode of Star Trek Picard so far. It really... I think the bar was set really, really high here as far as the the space opera stuff that I love. I, I thought that this felt a lot like an episode of old Star Trek. And when I say old, I mean like original series Star Trek. And that's not a bad thing. Th this felt like somewhere between the original series and Deep Space Nine. And the beauty of that is that's actually where TNG fell. And yeah, I, I really enjoyed this one. The Kuat Malat are my absolute favorite new thing that got added because I can't look at a Vulcan or a Romulan without thinking of them as magical space elves. And that's because um, in the sci-fi setting that I write in, I have a group of people called the Sen. And they share a common appearance, shall we say, with the Romulans and the Vulcans. And a friend of mine constantly refers to them as magical space elves. And he's not wrong. And so now every time I see a Romulan or a Vulcan, I, I just think magical space elves. But the Kuat Milat were an interesting addition to the series for a couple reasons. One... I know a lot of there. I know that a lot of the haters out there 
because everything has haters now, doesn't it? Are going to say, oh, look, we've introduced our Han Solo and now we have our Jedi. Hey. I, I, I don't see it that way at all. The way I see the Quat Malat is as a wonderful deep dive into Romulan culture, because as we know, for the most part, Romulan culture is based off of lies and subterfuge and the idea that not all Romulans are that way, that there is this way of absolute candor is amazing and it's wonderful. And it's something that Star Trek has desperately needed because Star Trek for the longest time basically did this thing where every member of a species was a certain way. And the only real exception I can think of that is Esri Dax, who we get to see as a very different kind of trill than Jedzia or even Curzon. And because of the way the trill were written on Deep Space Nine, we get to see that there are differences within them. And the same thing with the uh, changelings, with Odo compared to the others. But for the most part, <laughs> when we're looking at a species in Star Trek, they are all kind of painted with the same brush. And that's frustrating. <laughs> that's really frustrating because not every member of a species would act the same way. I know it's easy shorthand, but it's not a good thing to do. And I really liked how they broadened our understanding of Romulan culture in this episode. And Zenny and Elnor were very interesting characters. I do wish they named him something other than Elnor, because that sounds like a name right out of Lord of the Rings. And he dresses like space Legolas. He's, he's Romulan Legolas. And it's not helping with the magical space elves thing, but I do like him as a character. I think he's going to be interesting, and I can't wait to see where they go with him. Having said all that, we didn't get everything that I was hoping we would get in this episode because we didn't actually make it to Freehold. So my predictions were, I'm sorry, Free Cloud. So some of my predictions weren't right, but I still think we're on the right path. And I don't think I can say anything more without going into spoilers. Because some people might actually consider some of the stuff that I've already said as spoilers. So let's do that, shall we? If you have yet to see Star Trek Picard Absolute Candor, and you don't want to know anything that happens in the episode, go watch it, come back, and we'll talk. Spoilers are incoming in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. So we're not going to meet Seven of Nine in Free Cloud. I, I, I Don't get me wrong. I love the way she shows up. I love that the ship that she, she shows up on is kind of like a really sleek version of the Delta Flyer. And I didn't notice that the first time through when I watched it the second time. It really struck me how much this looks like a really souped up version of the Delta flyer. And that was kind of a cool callback to Star Trek Voyager, but we can't talk about her too much because all we know is that she's for some reason in the beta quadrant and for some reason doing things. <laughs> That's all we know. Now, for those of you who haven't been like deep into Star Trek for quite like, like I have, Okay, so the Alpha Quadrant is essentially where the Federation is. The Delta Quadrant is where Voyager took place and where the Borg are. 
And the Gamma Quadrant is where the story of Deep Space Nine partially took place in, and that's where the Dominion is. Okay? The Beta Quadrant, you're very familiar with, though it has rarely been called the Beta Quadrant on the show. The Beta Quadrant is where the Romulan Star Empire was, it's where part of the Klingon Empire was. I do believe it's where the Cardassian Union... See, they, they move these empires around a bit, but I believe the Cardassian Union and the Gorn Hegemony were also supposed to be in the Beta Quadrant, and it kind of limited the expansion and exploration of the Federation in that direction because they ran into these empires that didn't let them just fly through and didn't join the Federation. So, okay... What is Seven doing there? We don't know. Why is this planet the one that is uh, occupied? The one that is that they send the refugees to? We don't know. I do find it interesting that it's th the name of the planet is Vashti. Vashti, if you're not familiar with your biblical lore, was the first wife of the same king who is in the Book of Esther. He basically didn't like her because she was uppity and talked back to him. Because yay, patriarchy. And so he decides to cast her out and find himself a better wife. And that's where Esther comes in. And of course, the end of the Book of Esther is she stands up to him. So that plan really didn't work. But this idea of it being the jilted first wife I don't know if that's ever going to play into the story or what, but in a way, it it already has for me, and that's why I bring it up, because this is where Picard was obviously bringing a lot of the refugees to. This is where Picard was when the AIs attacked Mars, and this is kind of where the refugee experiment, the ability... The, attempt to save as many Romulans as possible ended. And so in that way, it kind of works as that, which leads me to believe that we're going to find a second planet, which I kind of hope is named Hester. I, I, I really I, I really want the other planet to be named Hester, and that to be where the Romulans themselves found a place to settle. But we'll see. And of course, the evil Romulans will be on planet Haman, and we'll just continue down this road, and it will be all metaphors and similes and all of that forever and ever. Amen. <sighs> I just want to get this out of the way. I, I do not approve. I do not. I do not approve of the relationship of N Narek and his sister. I, I don't. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I really don't like it. I, I really don't like it. It gives me very, very, very strong Game of Thrones vibes. And that's not a good thing. <laughs> this is not a good thing. And I, I want it to stop. 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 Please stop with the incest. It has to stop. It has to go away. And that scene where they're like talking in his bed, just no, no, especially since you're finally making me kind of like Rios a little bit because that that's that moment in the episode between Rios, I'm not saying Rios, between Narek and Soji 
when he's showing her the Borg ritual. That was so cute and so touching and so powerful, and I really, really loved it. And it moved me so much, and it made me kind of like his character in a way that I previously hadn't liked his character. And made me kind of sigh a little bit, because of course he's fallen in love with her, and he's going to help her escape before his sister can do terrible things to her. But please stop with the um, weird vibes there. And also, don't, don't make... Don't make his sister a trans person. Please. Please don't. I, I keep thinking about this, and Rizzo is... Uh, okay, we know that Narek once had a brother. He makes mention of this. We don't know anything about that brother, and we've only met his sister. And he makes a weird reference about her looking like herself when she gets her ears back, and the weird relationship between them. Don't. No, don't, don't make his sister. Don't, don't, don't do it. I'm tired of the evil trans character. I'm tired of it. I'm so tired of it. I'm not saying that trans people can't, can't be villains in stories, but when your only trans character is a villain, it, it's, it's not a good look. And I really am kind of living in fear that we're going to get that re revelation and I, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. So please don't go there. Please don't. I, I, I loved the combat in this episode. I liked it was beautiful. The space stuff, beautiful. Elnor is phenomenal. And I hope we get to see more of that because I'm not really a big fan of action in my Star Trek, but okay. I, I kind of want to see, I, I want the Jadvash to attack and I want to see Elnor fight them off. I, I need that. I need that so bad. Give me that. That's going to be amazing to watch. As long as you keep the fight choreography as awesome as it was in this episode. But yeah, I, I do like the idea that they own, that the Kuat Malat only help and pledge their swords to lost causes. That's beautiful. That's touching. And I loved what that says for the chance that they are going to be able to actually succeed. Okay, theory time. So, um, I still think that Agnes Gerardi is either a spy for Commodore O or is an, an assumed type android that Maddox made her. And I'm hoping it's the latter. I'm really hoping it's the latter, because if it's the previous, I am not happy with the writing on the show. It, she's too obviously a spy. She's being written too obviously as a spy. And I don't think a lot of people are entertaining the idea that she might be one of the early Maddox androids, except for me, because I'm kind of obsessed with that idea. And I'm looking for some of the tells that we see in Soji. There's a wonderful moment in this episode where Soji and Narek are walking down the hall when he's telling her about the <laughs> secret Borg ritual that they're about to go partake in. And Soji actually does the data, huh, headcock. And it's beautiful, it's wonderful, and I love it. It, it, it touched my heart and gave me that sense that, oh, data is still here, even though it's Soji. I'm looking for those tells in Agnes Gerardi. I have not seen them yet, but 
I, I'm, I continue to hope that we're going to see them because if she's just a spy for Commodore O or if she's secretly Jot Vosh, I will not be happy that, that it's too obvious and there needs to be something else there. So I'm hoping I'm right that she's actually a song type Android. We will see. We also need more information about the relationship between Picard and Seven. I'm assuming that they met because of him having been locutist. He seems like somebody she would have sought out in learning how to reintegrate into human society or whether or not she even wants to do that. And there's a history implied in her one and only line in this episode. You know, you owe me a a, a new ship, Picard, and then she passes out. There's a history there. That needs to, that of course, in the next episode, we're probably going to get more of, but I, I hope it's interesting. I hope it's more than just, yeah, he, sh- she showed up one day and said, so you were the cutest. I used to be like fully into the Borg too. Uh, what's it like to be human? And he's like, it's awesome. And she's like, yeah, I don't think so. And she runs off to do her own thing. I don't know. We'll see. But I, I so far I, I'm liking this show. And I'm hoping that it doesn't let me down. But like with all modern Star Trek, I I live in fear of it eventually letting me down. Now, my big theory out of this episode that I'm going to get accused of having a fetish here or something. But I completely believe that Cristobal Chris Rios is a hologram. Personal theory. He, He is a hologram. And the reason I'm saying that is one, we know nothing of his past other than the that he was on the Majid, the Ibn Majid, and that's it. And that he saw his previous captain's brains get splattered on a bulkhead, that's all. That's all we know. Um, yeah. One, we have still never seen him leave the ship. I'm not saying we won't see him leave the ship, and I don't think that it negates my theory, even if he does leave the ship, because, you know, the doctor from Voyager had the ability to leave the ship, though he could wear a jacket over his projector because we've seen the doctor do stuff like that. So I, I think he is a hologram. I think he was probably a an emergency hologram from the Ibn Majid. And I even wonder if the ship that we're looking at is a part of the Ibn Majid, because Remember that the Enterprise, every version of the Enterprise, including the original series, had the ability to separate into parts, but every version up from the D to the E that we saw that Picard was in charge of had a captain's yacht, which could separate from the ship. We only ever saw it get used, I believe, in Insurrection. We see the captain's yacht get used. I think it was Insurrection. It was either Insurrection or Nemesis. But it's, it's been a consistent part of the ship for a while. His ship looks like it might be a component to a larger ship. And I think he's the, emer- the original either emergency medical hologram or emergency command hologram. Because remember, we get that set up in Voyager when they give that test with the doctor. So I, I think the reason we see him having a hologram. Every hologram on the ship looks like him. They are aspects of his personality. 
the gunner hologram that we see has long hair, kind of looks like a biker, speaks exclusive, almost exclusively in Spanish, because it's kind of his id. It's the fighter part of him. And we see the emergency medical hologram. That's the calm and reserved, restorative part of him. And we see the hospitality hologram, which is his kindness, if you will. And that's why they all look like him. It's not because of his ego. It's because they're actually all facets of his own personality, which is why he comments about how he doesn't like some of them and does and says nothing about the other that he, I don't know. I don't know what his relationship is to the gunner one, but yeah, he's a hologram. Sentient AI is going to be a thing. That's why his ship is unregistered. That's why Rios immediately thought about him because being a hologram, he would have an interest in saving an AI. And yeah, that's why he was chosen. That's also why he's reading the book that he is about the pain of knowing that one day you will die. If anything happens to the ship, because he, he is tied to the ship, he knows that he will die. And he's witnessed the rest of the ship that he is on being, that he was originally on being destroyed, which almost cost him his life. And he saw a lot of the people that he knew and liked die. And that's why he's trying to learn how to cope with the idea of living with passion in the face of the knowledge that we all one day will die. And that's my theory about Chris Rios. Because everybody's a hologram. Everybody's an AI. Everybody's an Android. <laughs> no, I, I really think that this one has the biggest chance of being true because we've not seen anything to contradict it. We'll see. But I'm putting it out there now. Chris Rios is a hologram. Alrighty. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I really like talking about Star Trek with you all. If you all have any theories or ideas or comments or topics you'd like to hear discussed on the show, in the show notes you'll find a link to the voice message system. Keep it short, keep it clean so I can use it on the show. I would love to hear from you. If you'd rather hit me up on social media, I am C.E. Dorset on both Twitter and Instagram, and you can find links to everything that I do over at projectshadow.com. And if you haven't already subscribed or rated the podcast, please do that. That helps out a lot as well. If you've got a dollar, you can pass my way in the show notes. You'll find a link to both listener support and my Patreon. Thank you to everybody who does that. It means the world to me. It helps me keep the bills paid. helps me keep the lights on. I like doing both of those things. Thank you so, so much. You mean the world to me. If you don't have any money right now, or you don't feel like giving, that's perfectly all right. But if you know somebody you think would like anything that I do, please share it with them. That helps out more than you know. Alrighty. So yeah, Star Trek Picard, really liking this series. I hope you are too. Until next time, don't forget to have the fun. Bye.